Hashtag never alone with Joe and Mark. Hi everyone and welcome to Hashtag Never Alone episode 9. I'm your lived experience host Joe Ambridge. And I'm your specialist host Mark Fielding. Um, I'm a psychotherapist and relationship counsellor and Joe's co-host. Um, today's topic is youth and mental health. Um, and we will be joined by our guest. We were supposed to be joined by two guests, but um, I don't know what's happening with her at the moment. She joins us. Maybe she'll join us a bit later. Um, but just a few statistics that I um, found on Beyond Blue about youth and mental health. Half of all the mental health conditions we experience at some point in our lives were started by age 14. And over 75% of mental health problems occur before the age of 25. Uh, one in seven young people aged four to 17 years experience a mental health condition in any given year. 13.9% of children and young people aged four to 17 years met the criteria for a diagnosis of a mental disorder, which is, wow, that's, that's a lot of people in the last 12 months. Yeah, and one in 10 young people aged 12 to 17 years old will self-harm. One in 13 will seriously consider suicide attempt and one in 40 will attempt suicide um, definitely a topic I feel is not discussed enough, especially for young people. I mean, it's probably discussed a bit more now because of COVID. Um, I was remember being young age, maybe 17, 18, and I'd gone through quite a lot of stuff. I was bullied through schools, topic we discussed previously. Um, and that probably led to a lot of my mental health problems, but I didn't know a lot about it at the time. So I probably agree with the fact that it was not discussed enough and taught not much is thought about in schools. Um, I'd just like to introduce our first guest. Um, is it Matt Caruana? Caruana? Be close, it's Caruana. Caruana, sorry. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Matt. Um, so no, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Mark. It's um, a bit, just, um, I feel very grateful to be here. Oh, awesome, thank you. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself in regards to mental health and the topic. Yeah, I mean, my life had a whirlwind of mental health, especially um, like more mental health struggles, especially when I was younger. And let's just say those struggles would lead me to a place where I've found my purpose in life, thankfully. I'm now a mental fitness facilitator and I run workshops for corporates, those in high schools, those in conferences, and wherever I can to share my message for people to step within themselves and rise as a result. Awesome. Um, just tell us a little bit about the mental health, the mental fitness facilitating role. What, what does that um, entail? Entail. So, yeah, mental fitness, I like to view similar to physical fitness, where we need to keep consistent with our physical fitness to stay physically healthy. We need to stay consistent with our mental fitness to stay mentally healthy within ourselves. And so, what that really looks like is building mental strength overcoming and understanding your fears, building resilience and the ability to bounce back when times get rough, when we're faced with challenges, we have the resources and the skills to be able to overcome them. Yeah, I really, really like that. I mean, it, it, it is so important, isn't it? And it should sit, sit alongside physical health, you know, mental health and, you know, kind of encouraging resilience and strength. You know, it's so, so important. I mean, can, I, can we just ask a little bit about your journey to become a mental fitness facilitator? I mean, where, how did you end up in that field? Absolutely. And it's, I mean, 
with it was my journey of mental health that really brought me to that place, which started when I was 12. I felt deeply depressed because I was really after connection. I never felt connected with my parents. And that led me to try to find connect, connection within myself. You know, at 12 years old, I'm asking myself, what's the meaning of my life? Why am I here? And I didn't know how to answer that, which led me to ask, well, if I was dead, you know, would anything actually change? Of which I didn't actually have an answer because I was alive. And so I then asked myself, well, if purpose is about contributing, adding value to others, do I actually add any value to society? And that's when I had an answer because I was 12, had no job, lived at home with my parents, which bothered me because I came to the conclusion that I don't add value to society, which meant if I was gone, if I was dead, nothing would really be different or change, which then meant, well, why am I here? I don't know. I, I, I don't really think I have a purpose or that my life means anything. I think I'm worthless. It was the label I had. I mean, that's the label I put on myself and that really, yeah, that was heavy. That was heavy because I never thought that beforehand. I had, yeah. And it's funny because on the outside, everything looks good, right? You know, I just got into high school. I mean, popular in my grade, no family struggles, good at school, does well in sport, but internally something else is going on. Because I'm labeling myself that way, I'm feeling really down. I didn't want to talk to anyone about it either because, you know, everyone kept it to themselves. Why was I going to speak up about how I was feeling? I, did, I didn't know how to and because no one did it, it wasn't comfortable either, you know? And anyways, I would, I then not long after got heavily involved in drugs and um, let's just say, long story short, at 16 years old, after feeling this way for four years, it brought the pain brought me to a point where I'd said I'd actually had enough. I went and attempted suicide and I was unsuccessful. Woke up two weeks later. I was, I mean, I had 35 injuries. Main one being a spinal cord injury and my brain injury. And what that did is it left me a paraplegic from the waist down. I was considered a complete injury where I had no function or no sensation, which really bugged me because not only was I left with the same mental and emotional challenges, but physically I'm now in a situation that's more difficult. And I really struggled with that because if I was worthless beforehand and all I wanted to do was end my life. <laughs> yeah. How pathetic am I now? I mean, I, only wanted this one thing and I couldn't do that right. That bugged me. That really bugged me. And, you know, anyways, a month after, I'm in, you know, the spinal ward, everyone's asking the same question. So I'm a baby, I'm 16. They're asking, you know, what happened? Everyone wants to know. And in a spinal ward saying you, you had an accident doesn't, doesn't go down. <laughs> so I told everyone I had a fall. I, yeah. Couldn't really tell the full truth about, you know, what had happened. I was, yeah, I was really ashamed. But not only they wanted to know, I mean, people that visited me, people that, you know, were in public that I'd never met before, they wanted to know as well. And that, that bothered me because, you know, I had failed. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. And if I didn't like talking beforehand, why was I going to start talking now? Hmm. <laughs> Though it was... 
do I, I share a little bit more because yeah, there's um yeah, there's some stories it. in yeah, in that that really yeah turned my life around. And it started when it was a week before I left hospital. This is nearly four months into my stay, and I went with my mum. We caught a train, and I went and got some piercings. Now, this was a day that sort of shifted me because I was, you know, I was actually excited for these piercings. I'm happy I got them. And then on the train ride back, halfway through the trip, this complete stranger came on. Now, I never met him in my life. And he, yeah, he was really abrupt. Before he even sits down, looks to his right, and he's like, what did you do to yourself? Jesus. <laughs> but a lot louder, let's just say that. And it was, it was a mixture of how happy I was but how abrupt him, like how loud he was, it just sort of brought it out of me. And I said I attempted suicide. But by me saying that, I mean, his reaction was, that's pretty fucking stupid. Look at you, Jesus. <laughs> and he starts laughing at me intensely. But I, I, I laugh as well because I didn't know how to react. But it was the next morning where I had woken up with a sense of lightness. I mean, I, I had not felt this. In, I couldn't tell you how long. And it was... You know, in that moment, I just felt, I just felt drawn to go see my social worker. It was, that was big for me because I had never gone and willingly saw her. She always chased me up. I shared what had happened with her, you know, that guy on the train, how it made me feel. And she connected the dots for me. She said, Matt, maybe opening up to that guy, got things off your chest, made things a bit lighter. But Matt, if you were to open up to the people close to you in life, could you potentially strengthen the relationship you already have with them? That really, like, how do I say, threw me off my tracks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was this, I didn't want to hear that because I didn't like talking. But you know what? Those words really stuck with me that whole day and I couldn't stop thinking about it. But when my girlfriend came to visit me that afternoon, I actually said how I was feeling, but like I was truthful with her. I wasn't just saying I was fine. I was okay that I'm tired or whatever I was saying at the time, but no, I was being real. And she, yeah, she said, Matt, I've never loved you more. And I've never felt closer to you. And here I am in hospital with all these inju injuries, right? I'm in a wheelchair. Four months ago, I was this muscular, lean guy. Now I'm scrawny and skinny in a wheelchair. And she's saying this stuff to me. This threw me way off my tracks. And my social work was right. And so I started talking to some of my friends, you know, and even my parents. Though it was the end of that year. It was the end of that year when my social worker offered an opportunity for me to share my story. And it would be to give or take 30 or so young people. At the, at the hospital and come through for a program. And yeah, she said to Matt, remember that guy on the train? <laughs> what if you could help others help you at the same time? Uh, and there's this, in, I mean, intellectually, I didn't want to do it. Like, I, I, I didn't like talking, but it wasn't an intellectual decision. It was like this, this my, my heart was just pulled towards saying yes, because this feeling it was so certain in, like, in my heart. And this thought said, if you help someone, Matt, how would it feel? Because, I mean, yeah. And so I gave it a crack. And, you know, March 2017 was my first time sharing. 
And yeah, I was scared, but <laughs> I mean, besides that, these young people came up to me afterwards thanking me, saying they ins it inspired them. And, you know, that, that like really left a mark on me. It really did. When I was, like, when I left the hospital, I was by myself. I, I was just, I mean, gushing tears. Like, honestly, I, I can't bring to words how I felt in that moment. A mixture of gratitude, confusion, like excitement, but like also just, yeah, what is going on? I have like this good angel, bad angel going on in my head right now. Like you're worthless, you're a piece of shit, all this stuff. But then, no, you are of value. You inspired someone. You were able to help someone. That was, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. But I, I, kept, I kept at that program. I kept speaking there. But I didn't want to just do that. I wanted to take it further. And so I decided, all right, look, I, I mean, that year I was finishing high school, I'm 18 years old. Why don't I go and speak more in high schools? Not just my story, but running workshops. Because there's so much that's beneath my story. Yeah, that's of value, but I can also bring so much more there. And then I was like, no, there's so much, such a big need for this, not just in high schools, but in the corporate space, in universities, in conferences. And I've been very blessed. I've been able to fly internationally and nationally speaking, not just with my story, but mental fitness. That's what I'm about. And it's led me to where I am now. And I can honestly say the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life is now the one thing I'm most grateful for. It's turned my life around. Yes, physically. Yes, it was, it was a big challenge. I'm still in a wheelchair today. I know I'm going to walk again. I, I'm more than halfway there. Though it's the biggest blessing because I wouldn't be in the position that I am now. And that's that's truly, truly why I say I'm blessed. Okay. Well, what, what an amazing yeah. story. Goodness me. I mean, you, you, I mean, in a way, you found the meaning that I've been lacking when you were 12. At that it's moment, funny you say Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because... Yeah, I mean, what I asked for is what I got. Such a and, young age as and well. And that includes the position. That includes the position I'm in. I'm yeah, I'm in this wheelchair, but no, I asked for it <laughs> in a way. <laughs> Such a young age to go through mental health stuff, especially like you don't even think like look at mental health when you tend to think, oh, 18 are above, but it really does happen to people, as we mentioned before. It can happen to anyone at any age. And it's harder to understand when you don't know what it is, especially when they don't tell you much about it in school. And like to go through mm. what you went to at 16 and like, I'm so sorry that you had to go through all that. I've been through my own journey with suicide and stuff. Thankfully didn't follow through with it, but the impact afterwards that it had on my life, like it's just made me say, I don't want to be in that position again. Like the trauma and stuff that it could, had in my life trauma it had in my family's life really goes to show like even if suicide you don't follow through with suicide it can still have an impact on others and an impact on yourself mm. absolutely absolutely and i don't want to to but just pick up there was so much in what you just said but just picking up you know just another part of it the opening up so previously you know i think this is you know, wanting to maybe put a little bit of a gender stamp on this, you know, I think this is often true for, for men. It's also true for women, of course, but about the opening up, men just tend to internalise, don't they? 
there's lots of reasons for that which we won't go into now but 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 that moment when your girlfriend came in to see you and you opened up and she said that this is the closest she's ever felt to you I mean wow I mean that was also a massive moment for you oh yeah I mean every time I talk about it like I, it still chokes me up to this day now I'm no longer with this girl I'm very blessed she was in my life though I, I tell you though yeah that moment was so big because I'd done so I, I tried so hard and I did such a good job of hiding how I felt before my injury I mean everyone everyone believed me because I, I, I was obsessed with the gym and I, I I looked great I posted a photo on Facebook everyone believed me he's this ripped muscular guy you know, and like all the likes, comments, friend requests, you know, girls inboxing me, all that, all that shit. Part of my French, but like it was all this stuff. Everyone believes it. Yet a week after that photo was posted was when I went and attempted. Mm-hmm. A week after I posted it. And all the external validation in the world was not enough to heal an internal wound that was there all along. Yeah, it had to come from the inside out, not the other way around. Yeah. It just goes to show it can in, in mental health can impact anyone. You could be look like the happiest person on the outside. Look at people like Robin Williams. And um, mm. he was such a funny person and he committed suicide. No one knew anything was wrong with him because he's a comedian. Comedian is supposed to be happy. But mm. also, like, it's... there's, there's a. Eminem lyric I mentioned in a few episodes ages ago in another episode there's an Eminem lyric hiding behind the tears of a clown you have this happy face on the outside but you're crying underneath mm. do, do you think that's true for a lot of well do you think young people do tend to have a propensity maybe to to keep the more negative feelings in I mean it's I think- a generalization I know but what do you mm. think yeah, yeah, no, no. It's a, I think people have a tendency to keep these negative feelings to themselves because by expressing them, you're essentially making yourself naked in front of everyone. And the reason that is, is because you're showing everyone what's really going on inside. You know, most people are attracted to positivity and all that stuff. But when you feel down yourself, you, you don't feel you want to hide, you don't feel. You want to share it. You want to hide it because you're like, oh, I don't want to be a burden on others. Oh, what are they going to think of me? Yeah. Oh, what's going to happen if I say it as well? Like, there's all this uncertainty. Like, will X, Y, Z happen? You create all these stories in your own mind. And they're very valid, but they're all coming from that place where you're not seeing things clearly, I suppose. And I didn't see things clearly for so long. And I firmly believe that I would be stuck in that place forever. Though if we address these things, it is so big. That's why that guy on the train was such a significant part in my life. I would, yeah, I honestly, I, I wouldn't change anything. But that guy in particular, it was so, yeah, I needed that. It's almost like, it's almost like there's a thread. I mean, I'm threading your story with like, I don't know, synchronicity. I don't know if that's a two, you know, thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy absolutely. On the train, right? Just some random guy <laughs> completely changed your whole life, and I've never, I, I've, I've never seen him again. I wish I, I wish I knew his name. I, I would, yeah, buy him a beer or something. <laughs> the guy's the most Aussie <laughs> bogan guy I've ever met. But yeah, it was amazing. I mean, yeah. Do you feel as well? I, I like a young, sorry, 
No, 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 please. Do, do you feel like at a young age as well? I think for a lot of young people, I think especially yourself, being that young age and going, especially school age, there's that fear of being bullied as well in terms of if you open up to other people about how you're feeling. Because people at young mm. age tend to target those sort of things. Yeah, of course, there's a massive fear in that. And with the work that I've done, so I've done, I've done a lot of work in high schools. I've seen it over and over again. Not only the bullying, but the pressure as well. And the expectations from parents and teachers sometimes. But the biggest thing, and I think I personally that I say is the comparisons. Now that, that, that can be linked to social media. That can be linked, I mean, although just but it's basically humans, we've always been comparing ourselves. And it's, it, it, it's also like a, a survival instinct as well. If we, if we go way, 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 way back to when humans were first around, we need to survive to live. We need to <clears throat> like, like kill to eat, fight, like fight to survive, make sure we protect ourselves and our, and our family. But we need to compare ourselves. Like, am I going to be able to take this on? Am I going to be able to survive right now? Is that, is that a possibility? And it's funny because we live in the most safe society we've ever lived in ever, yet we are the most depressed we've ever been. If we don't have, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that, but maybe it, and this is what goes through my head, I don't have anything to back this up. It's just a thought. Maybe we don't have enough issues that we create them in our own mind if we don't have enough. And so we compare ourselves as, as one of those issues. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. because we have a lot, a lot of our, well, certainly in the West, we have a lot of our needs met. And so maybe, exactly. so much, maybe our minds then just get, you know, get, get busy on trying to find other problems. Mm, because those problems give us something to work towards, like a sense of achievement when we're able to overcome a challenge or, or an issue, or let's say, we, we need to meet a, like a certain quota at work and we, and we you know, we, we surpass that. That's a sense of, you know, achievement. I, I got something done. I did well. But if there's nothing going on there, our minds tend to create it. Hmm. If there's nothing external going on. That's why a sense of like, it's something to work towards is so key. That's why when I found speaking, things really started shifting. It's not like I was no longer depressed in a moment after that first time sharing. God, no. It took, I mean, like years. It did. Though I could say with conviction that I'm no longer depressed, anxious, or suicidal. Yeah, I still get emotional. Those days come, but I'm still, because I'm, I'm still human. It's, I have a different mindset now. But it's because I constantly do what I love, and I do that every day, but I'm working towards something. I'm not speaking every day. No, I'm not. Though what I am doing, you know, whether it's writing my book, which I've actually finished my first draft today, whether it's I'm doing that, whether it's me um, in conversations like this, whether it's me working on my website or social media, whatever, having things to work towards that I love, that I'm passionate about, that's when purpose comes about. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that, Matt. I mean, you, mm. the, the, the whole meaning piece, Right. I guess you you know you, you found your meaning. You know there were so many like existential questions going on at, at, when when you were twelve, which is you're asking massive questions about life. 
but now you have meaning yeah and i guess as humans you know yeah our moods go up and down and sometimes we're happy something but but that meaning is really underpinning your life and meaning is so important isn't it for all of us really mm. and so many people feel they don't have that mm. which is it's just which is sad though if your heart is still beating this is how i look at it something's keeping you alive something's working for you you didn't choose to have that fight for you, but it's still going. Even when you're sick, even when you're going great, it doesn't matter that heart's still going. If it's still beating, you have purpose. Though if you don't know what like what you love or what you want to do, that I mean that that's a place where you can start experimenting, dipping your toes in different buckets. And mm. yeah. Anyways, I, I don't want to get lost on a tangent, but <laughs> but yeah, I'm very big on that. Um, what do you feel is missing in schools and stuff? I mean, when you were at school, what do you feel like there should have been in place to help kids with mental health issues um, deal with stuff like exam stress and home home life and bullying? If I'm thinking from the perspective of myself when I was back in high school, only a few years ago, it can't come from a teacher. Unfortunately, you can't. Only because that relationship, like where we see each other every day, where we're being taught about a certain subject, it usually doesn't work as effectively. Now, I'm not saying it can't work. I, I have had many teachers while I was in high school be very supportive, very supportive. Though what I, what I believe I needed was someone to come into school and talk about it as real and as raw as it is not someone who is, and I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing anyone who's professional, as a social worker, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever, they all have their place and they're very much needed in this space. Though, if, uh, this is just me. I, I, the, by the time I started hearing about mental health, it was from these professionals, though they weren't coming from a real place of experience themselves. They were just sharing, oh, look, these are the statistics. This is what you should do. But in my own mind, when I'm when I'm in high school, when I'm 14, by the time I'm starting hearing this stuff, I'm like, who the fuck are you? Why, why should I listen to you? Have you dealt with it and overcome it yourself? No. And one thing I constantly hear when I go to high schools in particular, but it happens in every almost everywhere I go, when I run these workshops, I hear the same story. Matt, I've been feeling like this for X number of years. I've been doing this, this, and this. You're the first person I've ever told. And it breaks my heart because in that moment, I know I'm talking to my younger self. Yeah. And uh, the reason that's the case is I just lay it as it is. I don't pussyfoot around. And if and we need to be addressing mental health like that. And we are, we're addressing the, the dirt and the stuff that's not, you know, not great but we need to be addressing the other side of it as well. Mental health is not just bad, but has a, such a nasty stigma behind it that we keep talking about it in a manner which is not serving any greater purpose that when we hear depression in Australia, like, you know, we're constantly hearing one in five Australians are going to be depressed and or anxious. We, like suicide statistics are, are through the roof. You know, every four minutes, someone ends someone unfortunately 
dies due to suicide. And that's heartbreaking. It really is. But if we stop the conversation there, we're not doing it any justice. If we, if we bring a sense of hope as well, saying, look, this is where things are at. So if we have a story like Joe, like Mark, like Matt, of this and this and this, that's giving a sense of maybe there's another side to this. You know, change, changing the way of thinking that maybe this isn't forever, that I can change. Yeah, you need to and, uh, relate, as you probably saying, it needs to be more relatable to sport that is put in place. Like, yeah, I feel, I think I'm quite lucky that uh, my mum's a nurse, so she understands mental health. Um, my partner's got her own mental health issues. I hope she doesn't mind me uh, mentioning, but I've been in relationships with people. I've gone through mental health stuff, and they don't, obviously, they don't understand, so they normally end the relationship. Whereas, the relationship my mum in, in now, she's got her own mental health issues. She can relate that she understands I'm going through, and I'm if I'm being grumpy or I'm being odd or off, it's not anything against her it's just my mental health stuff um i think unfortunately mm. because a lot of people don't understand mental health they brush it under the like sweep it under the rug as to say and, and absolutely also, just to pick up something you said yeah I, do you know i completely agree with you mental health when when mental health is talked about yeah you know everyone thinks you had depression anxiety you know the, the kind of pathology side of mental health right and that is important of course you know we need to you know understand that but then, you know, the conversation needs to continue about what do you do? You know, what are the strategies? Yeah. Positive psychology is one. That's something that I use. You know, what are the things that are going to make you happy? What could, that conversation needs to, that, that's what you're saying, I think, isn't it? That, that exactly. conversation is absent. And I completely agree with you. Mm -hmm. That conversation mm -hmm. is often absent. And I guess when you're doing your work, you're able then to bring that conversation, really, mm -hmm. to some of the mm -hmm. people that you, that you talk to, whether that be corporate, whether that be school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when it's spoken about in a raw fashion, it creates a space where it's okay to address these things. It's okay to now look within ourselves. And so then when I do and I, and I facilitate like reflective questions afterwards, that's when the breakthroughs come. And, you know, when I have employees, when I have students come up to me afterwards and they, and they share their reflections, it's amazing. And it, it honestly lights me up because this is something I, that I wish I had when I was younger. And to see that they're getting the value and they're applying it is amazing. Whether I hear from like, like someone like a day after, a week after, a year after, like, and yeah, it's, 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 it's heartwarming. Yeah, and some of these people could be, you know, in, they could be on a podcast in 10 years' time and they could be saying, the moment that changed my life was when Matt came in. Mm. and talked i mean that could be a life-changing moment for them couldn't it it's difficult for you to know yeah but that could also, yeah, that, that could be possible yeah you definitely see but the impact when yeah. you share your story i totally agree with what matt's saying about if you share your story people are more likely to open up themselves like um my cousin one of my cousins i released a film about anxiety awareness a few years ago and people i don't even realize knew had mental health issues like people that came forward and spoke on the film and then people that have watched the film and messaged me and said, oh, thank you so much for sharing your story. I've got anxiety and I was scared to speak up about it. And even do the podcast, I've had people come to me and be like, thanks for like opening up a platform to um, speak about mental health. Like my one of my friends that I do film stuff, one of, he's like one of my film 
feeling that I'm working on at the moment he's one of my cast members and we did an episode a few weeks ago about bullying and he messaged me and said thank you for doing an episode on bullying it's something I feel like I could connect to because I was bullied, bullied when I was young and it was so relatable and not enough people to speak about it so it really does go to show you share your story or build a platform where other people can share their stories it's going to encourage people to open up and it's what we we try to do with the podcast and yeah. obviously what you're trying to do with going and speaking to people and it's really good what you're doing like we've had so many people on this podcast and all their different stories have been so eye-opening and heartwarming and just seeing people's journey shows that mental health doesn't always have to be a bad thing as you said like it can have progress and it can build you into a better place to where you from where you were when you started like mm. yeah and, and and i couldn't agree more and one thing you you, you said there that i really want to just touch on which is you know all mental like, all mental health is like good and need to be addressed right like we we need to be accepting of mental health not just within others but within ourselves as well and so i was blessed where i was in hospital for four months and then rehab for six weeks that gave me a place where I had nowhere to run. I couldn't go just escape the emotions. I had to feel them. I couldn't go and just get high. I couldn't go and just, you know, well, yeah, I was med- medicated and all these different painkillers and whatnot. But like, I was there in hospital. I had to feel my emotions. I had nowhere to run. And that's something that I've, I believe, now I'd love to get you, both of you guys' take on this as well. I believe people dismiss that fact. You know, I feel a certain way, but if I don't like the feeling, I'm going to fight it because I don't want to feel it. I judge myself and I go to things to suppress it rather than accepting myself. Okay. I'm feeling this way, allowing myself to feel it and then expressing it. Because I, personally, I believe that's our natural state of experiencing and expressing our emotions. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. Like going through what I went through years ago, with like feeling suicidal and everything um i was going through a phase where i just moved to australia and my medication wasn't working i wasn't aware that was what the issue was and then i was having problems with my relationship because we'd never lived together so we were arguing constantly um and i thought oh that's just what happens when you live together and i just wasn't dealing with the stuff behind closed doors like the mental health stuff and i think now i look back and going through the stuff I've gone through I notice stuff and I I share when I'm feeling down a lot more than I would before so it does go to show if you go through the stuff you go through it can be a good thing at the same time it can help you recognize when you're feeling down you're feeling anxious and it shows you how to deal with it a bit better than you would before so you don't those feelings kind of gradually go away a bit quicker yeah, you've mm. got to honour those feelings, haven't you? You know, yeah. I mean, that, you know, as a Absolutely. therapist, that's part of, you know, a, a lot of people's journey. You know, the, the, the feelings come and, yeah, they, maybe they go, you know, like you say, maybe they, they use substances, they go and get high to avoid it, or maybe they go shopping or, you know, there's a million things people can do, isn't yeah. it, you know, to, to avoid. But those feelings are, are there for a reason and they have a message, don't they? So I think, to, oh, you know, do. to really honour that message and then, once that you know once the feeling is you know is kind of authentically connected with then you take the next step you know that is authentic isn't it rather than mm. repressing it and then you know moving forward and then repressing something else and then moving 
you know, people just get completely overwhelmed with with stuff that they've not dealt with. So, you know, that is a really, really good model for for for, for you know for growth, I think, and good mental health. Now, I, I totally agree with mm. that. Really, yeah. I, I wanted, and, yeah. Sorry, mate. I, I mean, I wanted to say if it's okay, just ask a bit more about your corporate work. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just interested. What what kind of I don't know. Well, what kind of corporate work do you do, and what are your experiences? I mean, just anything you, you're happy to share. Really, I'm quite interested to hear. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the corporate world they experience a lot of pressure, especially like like high up executives. They, it's you know, it's, it can be overwhelming. That they, they might not know how to manage the stress and their mental health. I mean, that takes a toll as a result. It it, it could be that. It could also be maybe as employees. They have teenagers and kids themselves. They don't know how to support them in their mental health. And that's taking a toll on their work and their performance. When there is, and I'm all about all about connection, establishing meaningful connection. I'm all about that. And whether that's with other people, but also yourself. And so, one thing I'd, so I love to, to work in the corporate world is, is purely based on that. And I, I, I dive into that a lot further as well. I just wanted to get your opinion as well. Um, you mentioned earlier about social media. Do you feel like social media has a lot of impact on children's, young people's mental health, especially with that kind of hiding behind the screen thing? There's all these things like... Um, What's it called? It's called Daisy something. It's a charity about this girl that committed suicide due to bullying. And she was bullied online. Um, obviously, there's a lot of online bullying on social media. Do you feel like that has a big impact, especially on kids in school? The bullying side of things? Yeah. And also, that, like, it yeah. opens up a platform for people to kind of obviously bully other people, talk about other people. And that can have a knock-on yep. effect to people in school. Absolutely, absolutely. Though with with social media as well, it, it's it's a place where you know you, the bullying sort of never ends. It, yeah, it's at school, but then it comes home with you as well, and it, it seeps into your private life. Though social media is also a place where we're constantly comparing. We're seeing everyone's highlight reels, where everyone is at their best. You know, they take a thousand photos and upload one for that perfect shot and maybe we see our friends and like hanging out with all these people you know whether from school or from outside school and they're constantly busy yet we are in our bedrooms by ourselves, and we look at us we look at ourselves and we're like why aren't i that we might see guys who are with muscular bodies we might see girls you know with big bums, tight waist, and I think, why aren't I that? Yeah. Why aren't I good enough? It's a platform where it's, it's connecting all of us. We can use it for good. We just need to watch the amount of time we're spending on it. One thing I, I highly suggest is turning off notifications. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Tumblr, Snapchat, whatever. Turn off your, turn off your notifications for them. Yeah, I definitely went through. I think, especially more so in college than in school, because Facebook wasn't really that much of a thing. Whilst I was in school, it wasn't until like late, late school and then college 
where Facebook was really a big thing and I had people talk say stuff about me on there and share pictures and then put horrible comments on I mean we lucky enough that the college got involved I reported it to my one of my teachers and they got involved and said do you want us to get the police involved um because obviously it's technically classes bullying online bullying um but because at the time like I wasn't really that fussed about the person what who was doing it because I didn't really see them as a bully because I knew if I wanted to I could handle handle it myself but I just chose not to it wasn't worth the effort um and I've had other people mm. share stuff on Instagram share stuff or comment on t- Twitter I think as good as social media can be it can also have its downsides and I think sometimes it does meet, need to be monitored I know that they're introducing a thing here or something where they're going to monitor you have to show you are who you are because obviously people making fake accounts and then saying horrible stuff about people and then they can't be trapped because it's a fake account they're now maybe introducing a thing over here where you have to identify who you are before you make an account to kind of prevent mm. hopefully so they can track the bullying or the hate hate stuff on social media a bit better yeah, I mean, Twitter's, I like yeah, Twitter's full of it, isn't it? I mean, goodness me, you know, Twitter is, I mean, Twitter can be good, you know, people kind of posting good stuff, but well, Twitter can also be really bad, can't it? Someone yeah, can put a off of it. Up and, you know, goodness me, it's so, there's so much anger, isn't there? I mean, it can be about anything, you know, and then loads of people come in and they just, it's, yeah. And, and I guess it's politicians. Like, <laughs> well, for the politicians, but I guess it's, it's complex because, yeah, I mean, again, again, I agree with you, Matt. You know, I think it's got to be boundaries, right? I mean, people spending, you know, people just need to put boundary around social media. But on the other hand, I guess for, you know, for, for younger people, it's probably true for older people as well, you know, it's easy to say, like, if you get cyberbully, just, just don't go on social media, you know. But if all their friends and peers are on social media and that's how all their friends and peers belong, then just coming off it, they're going to feel mm. even more isolated. It's a really complex... It is. Yeah, and like you said, yeah. Joe, you know, Media companies, it's a conversation another time, isn't it? But I mean, the social, the platforms, the social media companies, they yeah, need to be possibly a bit more yeah. regulated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I suppose the thing about social media, it's not going anytime soon. No. If anything, it's going to be amplified in the future. So we need to be able to manage ourselves on there. If we mm. don't do that, we're just going to lose ourselves. And I completely agree, Mark. I mean, oh, everyone's on there. And if you want to step back, you feel like you're missing out. You feel like, yeah, you'd be more isolated. Mm. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's pretty complex, isn't it? I, I wanted mm. to ask, we always ask, I'm kind of conscious of the, the time, we always ask the, our guests their favourite coping strategies for yeah. for mental health. And I'm or just your favourite bit of advice as well, like your favourite yeah, bit of yeah. advice for young people if, yeah. when it comes to mental health. For young people? Yeah. Firstly, I, I would love to say who you're surrounding yourself with. That's going to be a big, big, big thing. The people you're surrounding yourself with are going to influence how you think, feel, and act. And are the people you're surrounding yourself with in alignment with how you want to be feeling more of? Are they influencing you to feel more happy if you want to feel happier or excited if you want to feel more excited? And just really trying to, like, you know, reflect on that. Though, as a blanket rule, the first step to healing is feeling. 
Absolutely. And I touched on it earlier that I'm really big on it, very big on it. And just making, and just take a step to take a step back and observe yourself. What fills up my cup? What gives me energy? What do I do to that? You know, it, it excites me, energizes me. For me personally, I love guitar. I love expressing myself musically. I, I DJ as well. I love cold showers. I love cooking. I love going for a walk, exercising. These things, they give me energy. Being aware of those things that, you know, recharge your battery, so to speak, they can really help. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, so important, isn't it? Knowing what makes you feel good and doing it. People just, you know, it, 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 it's, it's such a simple thing to say, but people don't do it. People have to actually consciously have to do this. You know, if playing the guitar or, or whatever makes you happy, you, you just do it. You know, you just do it enough that you're going to kind of feel happy in, in your life. You know, it's people don't always do that. I mean, or at the very least, ease the tension. Yeah. Right? They, they take yeah. yourself from a two out of 10 to maybe a four. But that's improvement. Yeah. Mm. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing your story with us, Matt. Um, you keep up the, the good work with the schools and the corporations. It's really good what you're doing. Um, and I'm sure even if it just helps one person, it will be beneficial for that one person to go in the right direction to get the right help. Uh, I definitely agree. Even with the podcast, we always say even if this helps one person, we're doing the right thing. Um, if, thank if, you for joining us. Sorry, so Sorry, Joe, apologies to interest. I just wanted to say, if people want to get hold of you, for you know, if people want you to speak to their organisation or, or, or school or whoever, uh, how do they get hold of you, Matt? Yeah, yeah. My website is mattcaruana.com. So that's M-A-T-T-C-A-R-U-A-N-A.com. My Instagram is Matt Shares. My Facebook and LinkedIn are Matthew Caruana. Great. If you just email me the links and stuff, I'll share them on our social media uh, when the episode's out. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, thank, you, thank you again for sharing your stories. It's incredible how far you've come and how resilient you are. To And now that you're helping other people, it's so amazing. Um, and thank yeah. you again to Mark for helping co-host. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Um, we'll be joined by Dr. Frank Chow and Dr. Betty Shetty, I think her name is. I'm sorry <laughs> if I butchered that. Um, but we'll be back. Uh, we'll be covering racism tomorrow. And um, thank you to everyone for listening. Bye, everyone. Mark and Joe, thank you very much. If you or anyone you know has been affected by the topics discussed in today's episode or previous episodes, please contact your local or country's helpline. You will find them by going to Google and typing in helpline. Um, they have Samaritans, Suicide Helpline, but remember that you're not alone, as the title of the podcast says. Um, there are many other people like you that have got mental health issues and feel suicidal and feel alone, but there's always someone there for you to talk to, be it a friend, a family member, a stranger, a psychotherapist or a doctor. There's someone to talk to. I've been in that position before, and talking to someone really does help. It's okay to not be okay. And I will see you in the next episode.